This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Today's episode is brought to you by Empower. It doesn't matter how much money you have, we all have money questions. Empower is here to answer those questions so you don't have to worry. Take control of your financial future with a real-time dashboard and real live conversations to empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab. Adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour, a co-production of WNYC Studios and the New Yorker. Welcome to the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick. Forty-six years ago, a young photographer named Marilyn Nance got the opportunity of a lifetime. Nance was a 23-year-old student at the Pratt Institute, an art school in Brooklyn, and she had never left the country. But she became one of the official photographers to document a festival called Festac 77, which was held in Lagos, Nigeria. Festac was huge, an arts and culture festival featuring artists from across Africa and the diaspora. Nance spent a month soaking up the atmosphere and preserving its spirit in photographs that are only now being published in a book called Last Day in Lagos. Marilyn Nance talked with our staff writer Julian Lucas about her experience and why so many of us have never heard of Festac 77. Best Act 77 was, it was like uh, Woodstock. It was like a biennial. There were art exhibitions. Uh, it was like the Olympics because we all marched around the stadium in our national dress. It was a meeting of African folks from all over the world. All in the world. Our roots and our part in black culture and African culture was incredible. And I looked around at the sea of black faces, and I had never seen a collection of black people larger than New York, larger than America, and this is the largest collection of black people I had ever seen in my life. And I felt the earth move. I felt that there was a place here for us, and we are not Nigerian, we are not African, but we are an African people. This is the motherland, and it's taken me all... You were involved in the black arts movement from a young age. And uh, I wonder if you had a sense of the significance of this festival before you went. I did, but I, I, didn't, I never thought that I would get to be like this age. And I thought that I would be talking about Festac in 1978 and not in 2022. You know, um, I did not know then that it would be... Um, disappeared from history. I thought it was something that was so big to me and to all the other participants that surely this would be something that would resonate for years and years to come. And um, 
I think that if someone had gotten, if there was some tragic something that happened, everybody would remember, but it was a joyful thing, and I guess maybe there was no investment in, in celebrating black joy. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are welcome to Nigeria. Where the festival is taking place here in Nigeria, in Africa. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are welcome to Nigeria. It's really extraordinary how much it's been forgotten when you see your photographs and you see Stevie Wonder, Miriam McCabe, Sun Ra in this wonderful procession of nations. But I've been witness to a lot of extraordinary events, and it points to the fact that um, a lot doesn't get said. And I knew that. I I knew that even as a youngster. I, I knew the way that our lives were regarded, and I knew differently. And I think that's why I said upon becoming a photographer because there are things that I saw that I just wanted other people to witness as well. But making the photographs is one thing. Getting them seen is quite another thing. Mm. They want the oil, but they don't want the people. They want the oil, but they don't want the people. They want the oil, but they don't want the people. They want the oil, but they don't want the people. They want the oil, but they don't want the people. They want the oil, but they don't want the people. I wanted to ask you about uh, a great photo you took of Queen Mother Moore. Oh, I love the, that picture. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about her oh. and, and why it was so significant that she was there at this, the festival. Um, at the making of that photograph, Queen Mother Moore was greeting, you know, making some exclamation, which I wish I remembered, but I have the photograph. I don't know what she said. But... Um, so It's a really regal photograph of her, and, and what I, I loved after reading about her was, this is someone who had been an activist since the Scottsboro Boys, who, mm-hmm. who had been part of Marcus Garvey's movement, which of course was so centered around returning to Africa, and, and then decades later, here she is in a very different right. cultural, political moment. Well, I wouldn't say different. I would, I would say it's a, it's a continuum. She talked about um, reclaiming your African um, personhood. Um, she talked about reparations. And she was the, the connecting thread. There were numbers of distinguished elders. That's, that was her position. And... Um, Joseph Delaney, who was there from, who was part of the Harlem Renaissance. There was uh, Ernest Critchlow, uh, Nadi Kumar, um, elder musicians, young people. There was a whole continuum of the black creative spectrum. You know, in, in the visual arts, the uh, spoken spoken word. Jane Cortez was there. Um, Melvin Edwards. I mean, just. Since you're mentioning all these artists and performers, I remember reading that at one night, 
in the Festac village where the delegates were staying, Stevie Wonder came just and just up. hung out with the delegation. What, what do you remember about that? Well, I don't even remember how we knew that he was there, but but there, there he was. It was almost like a campfire situation, except for there was no fire. I don't remember what he said, but we were just like, oh, Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder, you know. Music is a world within itself. All of the action was in Festac Village because all of the delegations, all of the contingents were there, and there was music. I mean, I would lay down and, like, I'm exhausted, but then you'd hear drums over here and music over there. You could not rest um, in Festac Village. And maybe Stevie heard about that, um, showed up with uh, Samella Lewis, and Louis Farrakhan and Jeff Donaldson. East or West, Africa is my home. It's not like I have a fantastic memory, but I do have photographs, and that's how I remember. I, I, I astound people with my, air quote, memory, but, <laughs> I, but I, I see these images a lot. There was Mozambique, uniformed in military outfits, reflecting their difficult armed struggle for independence. The sneakers they wore lightened their feet as they did traditional dances. From Europe came the Afro-Swedish and the Afro-Irish. Several hundred blacks from the United States participated. For the most part... I wonder if you could take us to the Parade of Nations, the, the opening ceremony. Some of the kind of most immediately spectacular photos yeah. in your book are are from that, you know, 54 countries. You have Malian kora players, traditional masquerade performers, uh, and it wasn't singing in a groups. Book. I mean, like, we, we, we've only seen those images in books, but there we are, and they're real people. And they're looking at us like, we've only seen these people, like, in movies or in books. We were just all staring at each other, like, we're here. Um, An element of culture shock, I'm sure. Yeah, and it wasn't It was like I was looking at the Parade of Nations. I was part of that Parade of Nations. We were just amazed at each other. Africa, continent of Africa. And I know it wasn't just uh, a black cultural festival. It was black and African. Could you explain that? Um, Algeria was represented, Morocco, Egypt, Tunisia. These are countries in, on the continent of Africa that may not have claimed blackness, mm-hmm. but they're African. And then there were people from the diaspora who claimed blackness, including, um, I was really surprised to see the Australian contingent because we had been educated to believe that Australians were Asian or I don't know what we were told, but here they were, dark-skinned people at a black and African festival. And I was like, hmm. Photographer Marilyn Nance talking with Julian Lucas on the New Yorker Radio Hour. We'll continue in just a moment.
WNYC Studios is supported by Lincoln Financial. The questions around retirement have gotten tiring. Instead of, have you saved up enough? Shouldn't they be asking, what is it that you love to do? And how can we help you keep doing it? The truth is, you're not slowing down. So your retirement plan should be more of an action plan, a hiking plan, a music plan, a sailing plan. The point is, whatever you're passionate about, we can help make sure you never stop. At Lincoln Financial, we have the products to help protect and grow your financial future so you can keep doing more of what you love. Make your pastimes last a lifetime at lincolnfinancial.com slash action plan. Lincoln Financial Group, marketing name for Lincoln National Corporation and its insurance companies and broker slash dealer affiliate Lincoln Financial Distributors, Inc. Copyright 2024, Lincoln National Corporation. This episode is brought to you by Empower. Can you retire early? Will there be enough money to leave an inheritance? Do you have savings for life's important milestones? If you have money questions, Empower has answers so you don't have to worry. With a real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you can get clarity on your real-life financial goals. Join 18 million Americans and take control of your financial future to empower what's next. Start today at Empower.com. I'm Roz Chast from The New Yorker. The New Yorker Radio Hour is supported by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. They are one of the largest recipients of NIH funding. Their scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the cancer drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute has been making one advanced cancer discovery after another for over 75 years. At Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, what we do here changes lives everywhere. Find out more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. On stage in the Nigerian National Theater, Sun Ra and his orchestra. There's a great picture of Sun Ra's rehearsal shed in the book with people just climbing on ladders, crawling Under. to look underneath the wall, standing on tires. To me, that really gets at what the festival was about and what your method yeah. of photography is about. This, There's not really a boundary between the spectator and the action. You're yeah. part of it all. I was one of those people. Like, I, I don't think I got on any ladders or anything, but I got down low to make some photographs. Um, people crowded around the rehearsal sheds just to see, you know, what folks were doing. That one image points to maybe three or four rolls of film of of that one rehearsal. It was amazing just to see, like, acrobatic troops. Uh, the flying souls. The flying souls. But there was, there was a troop, and I'm not sure what country they were from, where this man was doing things with his body and bending. And, and like, I'm looking underneath and finding a space. And, yeah, um, and no one made space for me because I had a camera. <laughs> I had to find a space like everyone else had to find a space. I wonder if you could say something about how this book came together. How did Last Day in Lagos get made 45 wow. years after wow. you flew back? Well, first of all, Last Day in Lagos kind of came out of my knowing that I had work that I wanted to share with younger 
with a younger audience. Um, there was a group called the Brooklyn Photo Salon, young photographers in Brooklyn. I was like, Brooklyn Photo Salon? Young people doing, let me see what's going on. So I started going to some of the meetings and, and introducing my work. Um, I did a lot of networking, a lot of talking and going places. It's, I wasn't like sitting waiting to be discovered. Um, <laughs> but it was in Johannesburg. I was presenting the FESAC photographs at the Black Portraitures Conference in 2016. And I was there with my husband, Al Santana, um, my archive fellow, Valerie Caesar, and the artist, Valerie Maynard. We did the panel on Festac, and there was a panel of young people, and Olaremi Onabanjo was on the panel. This is your editor. Right, my editor. And I introduced myself to her after the panel was over, and I said, I said something about Festac, and she was like, of course I know what Festac is, I'm Nigerian. Anyway, when she looked at the work, she said, like, I want to do a book. She recognized its she, importance. Right, right away. And and my joke to her was like, Remy, I'm going to let you discover me. <laughs> <laughs> you are still taking. It's true. I mean, where would the whole Western world be without be without Africa? Our cocoa, our timber, our gold, our diamonds, our platinum, our whatever. Everything you are is us. I am not saying it. It's a fact. And and in in return for all well, there's something kind of elegiac about your title, "Last Day in Lagos," <laughs> because this was the last festival of its kind, mm-hmm. a high point of this Pan African spirit that wasn't repeated. Yeah, uh, it's been 45 years, as you mentioned, since yeah. Festac, and. I wonder if you could say something about what happened. Why didn't these photos come out? That's not my business. I did what I did. Ask them, right, whoever them is. You know. ask, um, ask the historians. Ask the publishers. Ask, you know, all those people who ignored the work. I mean, I'm, I did the work. I didn't hide it. Did you try to have them published when you came back? Yeah, what, so ha- what much, happened? How did people respond? It's not, I can't tell you how they responded, but I had to go on living. So I started working in advertising. I've taught school. I've worked as a teaching artist. I pretty much know my worth. I know the worth of this culture. I know the value of this event. Even if you don't know it, I know it. I just had to wait until, like, a new generation came. I think things happen and roll out when they're going to happen. And maybe this is the right time for this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a great place to end. You have a good radio voice. You, Thank you. Yeah, you think you have a great radio voice, though. No, make make me think... sound good too. And... <laughs> Marilyn Nance's photos of Festac '77 appear in Last Day in Lagos, which came out recently. And Julian Lucas is a staff writer covering culture of all kinds for the New Yorker. The music and clips we heard are from a Festac '77 mixtape compiled by Chimarenga 
in 2020 and reproduced courtesy of Chimarenga. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Radio Hour is a co-production of WNYC Studios and The New Yorker. Our theme music was composed and performed by Meryl Garbus of Tune Yards, with additional music by Louis Mitchell. This episode was produced by Max Balton, Rita Green, Adam Howard, Kalalia, David Krasnow, Jeffrey Masters, Louis Mitchell, and Ngofen Mpujibwele, with guidance from Emily Botin and assistance from Harrison Keithline, Mike Kutchman, and Meher Bhatia. The New Yorker Radio Hour is supported in part by the Charina Endowment Fund. This episode was brought to you by Empower. Are you ready for life's important milestones? What will your retirement look like? Do you know your net worth? Empower can help answer your money questions so you don't have to worry. With a real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you can get clarity on your real-life financial goals. Join 18 million Americans and take control of your financial future to empower what's next. Start today at Empower.com. WNYC Studios is supported by This is Uncomfortable, a podcast for Marketplace. A lot of people spend a lot of money on things like skincare, fast fashion, and even surgery, all in the name of self-improvement. But as the price of perfection rises, when is it time to call it quits? I'm Rima Hreis, host of This Is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace. This season, we dig deep into the financial trappings of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.